Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where the life of Jesus meets yours. In this episode, you have our sermon from the fifth Sunday after Epiphany, February 7th, 2021. Hidden glory revealed in his authority. Dear fellow redeemed, we consider briefly our gospel reading from the gospel of Mark chapter 1. And as we begin, one of the foundational concepts that we have to understand is, um, is what's the point? What's the point of God's purpose in all of this? What is the purpose, what is the point of, of God telling us to go into all the world to proclaim the gospel? What is the point and the purpose of Jesus healing the thousands and driving out demons? Some might say, on the one hand, you know, the point is to, to gather people. That people might be in heaven. And that is certainly not a, a bad answer. That is not an improper motivation by any stretch of the imagination because God does want people to be saved. Others might look, you know, especially at our reading from Romans chapter 8 today and this topic of predestination, and they try to reconcile it with their minds, their, their human minds that are tainted by sin. And biblically, they stray away from the truth that predestination is a gospel promise, comfort for believers. And they try to make predestination say something that it doesn't say, and they say, well, the point and the purpose of it all is to demonstrate God's authority, to demonstrate God's power, to demonstrate that God is sovereign and there is no one and nothing above him. And that is equally wrong and even perhaps more so than the answer that the purpose is to bring people to heaven. Why? Because the purpose, the peak, the apex of this pyramid is not specifically salvation of sinners. And the purpose, the peak, the apex of this pyramid of theology is not to demonstrate God's sovereignty, not to demonstrate God's power. He has that already. But the purpose of it all, the apex of this pyramid, is the glory of God. And that's a slight difference. That God is glorified, yes, when young babies are baptized and people come to the faith, but God is just as glorified when his word is shared and rejected. Because if we, if we get that wrong, if we put something else at the peak of the pyramid that does not belong there, if we set aside the glory of God as the purpose of the Christian life and the Christian church, and we say, oh, the purpose is the evangelization, the, the conversion of everyone in the world, then that becomes the longest lever to do anything we could want. If the purpose were simply to have people fill our churches, we could get our churches filled rather quickly, if I just talk to our treasurer and say I need, you know, $20,000 and, and we'll give it away to whoever shows up. Right? If the purpose was simply to demonstrate God's authority and God's power and God's sovereignty, then there would be no room for grace. And there would be a misunderstanding about who God is. But the purpose, 
the purpose is the glory of God. And yes, God is glorified when Christians share their faith and when believers, unbelievers are brought to the faith. Christian, God is glorified when the Holy Spirit creates faith within a person's heart. God is glorified even when people reject him. And so our purpose is to bring glory to God by doing what he tells us to do and leaving the results up to him. And so our purpose in, in sharing the word of God is to let God, let the Lord have a chance to change somebody's heart because he has purposely restricted himself to that word. And where this comes into play is a couple of different places, perhaps. Maybe it's that very first reading from Job where I don't think I've talked about maggots and oozing scabs, um, maybe ever, <laughs> at least not in church. In that first reading, and if we have the purpose wrong, then we would start blaming God when things don't go our way. If we have the purpose wrong, then we would say, well, God, you've got to fix things with Job on the one hand, and if you are really a good and gracious God, then you would change his life right now. Drop of a hat. Or the other answer that his friends gave, that if we had the purpose wrong, that the purpose is to demonstrate God's power and authority and his sovereignty and his strength, then we would sit back and point the finger and say, Job, what is it that you have done? But the purpose is the glory of God and the salvation of sinners connects to that. And that's the point that Paul makes in our second reading. That, that God had you in mind before the creation of the world, and that he would use every element of your life, the good, the bad, the sinful, and he would use that. He would use the painful moments of your life to teach you and me to despair of our own effort and rely upon his power. And there's that word, to rely upon his grace. Because if we had that purpose wrong, if we thought that the purpose was simply to get as many people here as possible, and if we thought that the purpose was simply for God to demonstrate his power, then we would be mistaken. But if we see that the purpose is the glory of God at all times and in all things, then our gospel reading starts to make sense. That's the one we're actually looking at today, believe it or not. Then our gospel reading starts to make sense. Because Jesus hides his glory in his authority. And you start reading through Mark chapter 1, you get to verses 29 to 39, and you're like, hey, we're finally here. We're finally here. Jesus has been hiding his glory and slowly showing it, piece by piece, piecemeal throughout the entire season of Epiphany. He's been hiding his glory and providing little glimpses here and there at his baptism in the synagogue. He's providing little glimpses until now. They go out of the synagogue that Sabbath day, and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And that, that evening after sundown, the entire city is at his door. People who are demon-possessed, people who can't find any solution and any help anywhere else, they are at his door, lined up to be, to be helped. 
And Jesus heals them all. And you can almost hear the disciples cheering. Yay, this is the time, this is the moment. Finally, the glory is revealed. Finally, these people, these people will see our gracious Savior. And finally, we will have the success that Jesus talks about. Because just maybe, they had the apex wrong. The purpose. It's a slight difference, but the purpose of Christianity, the purpose of the Bible, is the glory of God. And God is glorified in in his authority. Jesus is glorified in the preaching of his word, which results in conversion, as well as the preaching of his word, which, which results in rejection. But Jesus hides his glory in his authority. You can think of it this way. Maybe you have had this experience also. That Jesus hides his glory in his authority. That you and I are so well acquainted with our Jesus that it's almost nothing to be driving down the road and, um, and a car starts swerving and you say a brief prayer immediately afterward, thank you for keeping us safe, and you go on your way. It's almost nothing for us to say, well, I know that my Lord speaks to me in the Word, and so I'm going to tune in through a podcast or through YouTube or through our website, and, um, and I'll get my daily dose of my Lord. And sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's wonderful to use those because it brings the Word of God into our lives. But on the one hand, there's such familiarity that we don't see his authority until we need it. We don't see his power until we want it. And then something happens, and it's like, all right, Jesus, I need you now. Um, can you come through for me? Can you do what I need? Job is sitting there on a pile of ashes and scraping his skin with a broken piece of pottery. I need you now, Lord. Where are you? Where is the glory? Where is the success? On the one hand, there's the familiarity that we don't see the authority of our God. That we don't quake in our sandals the way that Moses did at the burning bush or the people did at the Mount, Mount Sinai. Or, on the other hand, we look at our lives and all we see is that authority not being used to make our life turn out the way that we had wanted. Why is it that I have to struggle with with MS? Why is it that I have to wake up with chronic pain? Why can't Jesus just say the word and wave the hand and show up to my house? I mean, I'm showing up to his. Why can't he do something for me today? Where's the authority? Where's the power for me? And it's kind of this, this messy little middle that that seems uniquely American. That at the same time we have this familiar, familiarity with our Lord, we have this, this sense that we can just walk into his presence, that Jesus is my, what a friend I have in Jesus, he is my, my nearest and dearest friend, he's almost a buddy, I can just, he's my co-pilot, Jesus take the wheel, and on the other hand, when I need him, he's going to snap his fingers and do exactly what I want him to do for me right now. 
And it's kind of this messy middle because we dismiss the authority of our God and who he is. And we get the entire purpose wrong. That the purpose isn't for you and me to have a pleasant and lovely life here. It is a blessing whether you have that or not. The purpose isn't for God to release every burden from off your shoulder and to say, hey, dear Christian, gold star for being a Christian today. That God's purpose isn't to remove every rock from your road and say, there, there, now you've finally made it. And people will see my glory in your life because it is so easy and so simple. But that the purpose is the glory of God in your life and mine. And more often than not, that glory is seen more clearly when the life is more painful. When the chronic pain is even more chronic. That the glory of God shines more brightly as the world darkens around it. That the glory of God, maybe just maybe, is seen more in, in Job, nearly despairing of everything, his very, own, his very own wife saying, why don't you just curse God and die? And Job coming back with, I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the end he'll stand on the earth, and I'm going to sit here and wait for him. That the glory of God is seen more clearly in your life, not when it's easy, but when it's more difficult. And that even from what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, that um, verse 29, that the pain and suffering that you might experience is evidence of God having chosen you to be his own. And his gospel promise for you and for me is that he's going to hold on to you that he chose you to be his own and he called you to faith in time and part of that means being conformed to the likeness of his son as he, as he says in verse 29. Part of that means that the suffering you experience is the shadow of the cross of Christ falling upon your life as well. Part of that means that the pain in your heart or the pain in your joints now even though other people who are not Christians, they experience pain in their heart and pain in their joints. As a Christian, you know that God wants to demonstrate his glory in your life. And so as a Christian, you can say that even this pain is part of God's beloved will for my life. That if I experience in some small way the echoes of the hammer echoing in my own life, then praise be to God, because the point and the purpose and the apex of our theology, of our belief, God's purpose in all of it, is his glory. Not his authority. God's purpose and point in all of that is to demonstrate his glory by keeping you as his own. Not just despite the pain that you experience, not just despite the sin that we still do, but even through that. That 
as each of us struggles with the different sins that come at the various stages of life, we begin to see God's grace in a different way. That God's grace isn't just for the, the, the bad word that I said and the bad thing that I did as a child. But God's grace is even for the ugliness that maybe we don't see is there until 20, 30, 40 years later. That Jesus saw that and took that upon himself for you and for me to demonstrate his glory in your life. Even if to our eyes that glory looks broken down and painful, uphill and strewn with rocks, the purpose in all of this is the glory of God. And I think that, <laughs> I won't say introduction because then this will be like a 50-minute sermon, but I think that background helps us to see what's going on in Mark chapter 1, verse 33. 32, 33. That evening when the sun had set, um, the people kept bringing to him all who were sick and demon-possessed. That, that kept bringing to him. They go there again and again. Somebody goes and brings somebody in who is sick or demon-possessed or whatever the case may be. And they come home and they tell their, their neighbors. And then it kind of spreads exponentially. Instead of one person coming home, now two people go back. Two people come home healed and four people go back just keeps growing. They keep on coming until late in the night the whole town is at the door. And Jesus, in his authority, he drives out the devil. He drives out those demons, those, those fallen angels who had taken up residence in the hearts of people where Jesus did not rule. He drives out those demons and demonstrates his power. He keeps them silent so they can't even talk. And you could almost see the disciples shouting and cheering, let's go find some more people. Come on, Peter and Andrew, you live here. This is your hometown. Don't you know some people? Call them, text them, tell them to come here because this is the time, this is the place. And now we've got success. Now we've got power. Now Jesus is finally showing his authority. And then Jesus got up early in the morning while it was, while it was still dark which is, I don't know, this time of year it's still dark already at 7 o'clock, but Jesus is probably up around 4. And he goes off to pray by himself. And when they finally track him down, Jesus has the whole day to heal the whole rest of the city. And his disciples say, the whole town is looking for you. And his answer, let's go somewhere else so that I can preach there too. In fact, that is why I have come. That the glory of God is, yes, it's seen as Jesus walks on the water and multiplies the food, and as Jesus drives out demons and heals the sick. The glory of God and the authority of our God is certainly seen there, but the greatest glory of God is in the preaching of his word. The greatest glory of God is seen as God demonstrates what we could not know by nature. You know, by nature, every person knows that there is a God, that he exists, that he's more powerful than I. But we can't know by nature that this God is graciously disposed toward us in the person and work of his Son. And that 
is the apex. To think of it all that, our God wanted to demonstrate his glory, not by driving out demons, but by being crucified on a cross. And that our God wanted to demonstrate his glory, not in the authority of, of healing the sick and raising the dead, <clears throat> but in the reality of his own resurrection and his promise of a future resurrection. That our God wanted to demonstrate his authority and his glory by forgiving sinners, you and me, by looking upon us and not exercising his wrath against us, but giving his son for us so that you and I can say, you know what? Can I tell you about the, the glory of our God? Can I tell you about the glory of our God? And it's not seen in this re remarkable, tremendous healing, although he certainly does that. And it's not seen. It's not seen in these incredible miracles that he still does. but it's seen in sinful people, you and me. It's seen in sinful people whose sin has been taken away and atoned for. It's seen in the fact that even one day when you and I rest in dust and ashes, when we're embalmed or entombed or inurned, that one day his glory will be seen most of all as your body is reassembled in a glorious way to live in heaven with him forever. And so even though, even though Jesus demonstrates his glory in his authority, his greatest glory is in what he has revealed in his word. That's, um, that's exactly what has been going on here for the last, well, year and a half for sure. You can read about it in our annual report in the email this last week or if you're watching through our website you can just hit the little box when you check in and um, if you'd like a PDF or a paper copy but if you flip through that annual report you'll see the glory of God almost like it's in the rearview mirror the glory of God in people being encouraged with the word at a time when the world looked like it was falling apart that was last year the involvement of God's people with the Word of God seemed to increase. You can see it by scrolling down through our website today, and we've got the, uh, the first video of our adult Bible instruction course at our website for people to participate with at their own time and in their own way, um, at their own pace, so that the glory of God could be shared in their lives too, so that they could see a God who wants to be known not just as, as powerful, which he is, not just as holy and just, which he is, but to see a God, see a God who desires the salvation of sinners, and also that those people have the glory of God demonstrated in their own lives because the authority of Jesus has meant the forgiveness of sins that he has driven out Satan by his word and his promise to you and to me is that his glory will be revealed in you. So once we've got that point of the pyramid in the proper place, 
then hopefully life begins to make a little bit more sense. And that God's grace to us and his glory in us doesn't depend on removing every obstacle, but it does depend on the change that he makes within us. That even as life has its fair share of obstacles and pain and suffering, whether it's, <laughs> whether it's what we see in Mark chapter 1 or otherwise, Jesus is still glorified. Yes, in his authority, but even more, in his word, in you. Amen.